Did you know that ketchup was sold in the 1830s as medicine? We've got lots of crazy facts and more coming up. We got lots of info. Let's rock and roll. It's Digital with Rhino. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Did You Know with Rhino. I'm Rhino. This is my show, and I know exactly what you're thinking. Ketchup. That's a runny joke. Yeah. In today's episode, we're going to have lots of fun, and you might even learn something. So without further ado, let's do this. In this show, we talk about all sorts of crazy stuff and randomness, but we don't do it alone. So today, we'll be graced with a special guest. You've heard him from episode two. Ladies and gentlemen, John Doggett. Hello, sir. How is it going? It's going great. How are you today, Ryan? I am doing most excellent. So... We are recording this in kind of a awkward fashion. Um, tell the kids what you're currently doing. Well, I am driving home from work, quote unquote, because sometimes when you live in the South and it rains really hard for like all afternoon, then people forget how to drive, even though it's literally just water falling from the sky. Mm-hmm. And uh, that leads to the most lovely thing known as traffic. <laughs> And you'd think that people would get used to it by now, but they put on their flashers and they freak out and they drive left and right and, oh no, what is this thing I can't see? It's horrible. And then you look at your Google Maps when it's time to go home and uh, it looks like a Christmas tree. Only a little bit of green and a whole lot of red. (laughs) That is ridiculous and a half. You have my sympathies. Thank you, sir. But, you know... They did create this wonderful thing known as breweries, and they serve the best thing known as beer there. And when your place of work is right across the fence from a brewery, you tend to go there to uh, take care of that traffic problem. That sounds like the best way to spend some time. It reminds me of uh, back when we were youngsters in college, which, by the way, was almost 11 years ago when we first met. Oh. God. <laughs> so so bear with me. It's uh it's story time with Ryan O. So uh, about a, a 11 years ago, you and I met um the the day before uh, band camp. Yes, folks, we were both in uh, marching band and played the most awesome instrument on the planet known as the tenor saxophone. And uh do you know Brenda? Some days I do. Other days it's a lifestyle. <laughs> So but you're always aviating. Exactly, because that's what you do, as that is what's up. Uh, I got to semper that, because that's just a verb now. And so we, we met during that crazy time of uh, being freshmen in college, not sure what's going on. We were very uh, impressionable individuals and uh, got to know uh, our leader. Now, he wasn't the leader, but he was our leader, and he loved Rush. We're just not going to mention him. He knows who he is if he's listening to this. Um, and we got to learn all sorts of crazy things about that, um, about Rush and about anime and all sorts of weird things, but also got to uh, enjoy in other cool things like random food and uh, eventually uh, random alcohols and whatnot. <laughs> And so being very young college kids, um, when, when we first started drinking, uh, what, what beers were you having back then? I think the first thing I had uh, at our fearless leader go out to the uh, 
to the good old store, which the liquor store was literally called the store. That's how cool Mount Pleasant, Michigan is. Uh, and he would pick me up some Heineken in the, the miniature keg can. And I would, uh, I would partake in that at a party. So to not incriminate anyone, because that would be an absolute terrible thing to ever do. Um, for the sakes of this conversation, we, we were old enough to drink. Absolutely. We were 100% legal. So you were having Heineken and I was drinking Bud Light way back in the day. <laughs> well, we had to start somewhere, I guess. <laughs> it was cheap and it was there. Indeed. So then um, once, once we started learning how to experiment with um, all sorts of cool things, including food and, and whatnot, um, we got more broader tastes and more disgusting tastes at the same time, especially by mixing <laughs> Mountain Dew Live Wire, which is their orange soda, and vodka. Which is a great combination on a budget. Exactly. I, I, I loved every moment of it. But I was also thinking, just because um, I was thinking about craziness today, about some of the most craziest adventures you and I have been on in this past 11 years. <laughs> There's been quite a few. Like there was a, the the Western incident. The Western incident where I, uh, well, you know, as Central Michigan's colors are uh, maroon and gold, which may happen to be very similar colors to a, uh, a certain Harry Potter um, Hogwarts house. So therefore, with my long hair, uh, longish hair, I was therefore dubbed Harry Potter because I was wearing my Gryffindor scarf to support our Chippewas. And these drunken ladies were calling you Harry Potter and thinking I was your Ron Weasley or something like that. Yeah, they were like, it's Harry, and I think that's Ron. But Harry Potter! <laughs> but we, we also went on other crazy adventures like the um, the the infamous pizza burger moment. Oh, the pizza burger which was also on that same trip to Western. I think it was on a separate one. Didn't we go the second time with... Oh, that is correct. We did go a second time. And uh, and we found a restaurant along the way in somewhere in mid-Michigan uh, called the... I believe it was the Crystal Fountain. That sounds familiar. All right. And uh, browsing their menu. It's, it's like... I think it was actually lunchtime. Um, but they had a, uh, what they called a pizza burger and Ryan and I love our pizza. So, and burgers are tasty too. So we had to try a pizza burger. Um, it had but unfortunately pizza and it wasn't, burger. and unfortunately it wasn't necessarily pizza burger. It was kind of a weird tasting patty with some meat sauce some form of cheese, and possibly pepperoni. I wasn't quite sure if you could call it that. I think the pepperoni was safe. It was uh, the, the contents of the burger patty that made it a little questionable. Wasn't it veal? It was veal. <sighs> yeah, so always make sure that if you're going to go for something, really go for it. Otherwise, experimenting might not be for you, as we learned the hard way for us. Yeah, take it, take it from us at a roadside diner. Probably don't get the feel. 
Unless that's what they're pushing, and then try the veal? Maybe. (laughs) I'm good. Uh, So we went on all sorts of other crazy adventures, like the the Detroit um, hoedown incident. (laughs) Yes, that was right before before Ryan headed down to uh, the lovely state of Florida, and uh, Ryan O and JD needed one more adventure in the the D. And... uh, for we those of you, that the- means Detroit, nothing sexual or illicit. Yes, Detroit. <laughs> but uh, they have a cool thing called the People Mover. That uh, It's basically an elevated train. Uh, if you've been to Disney World, think the monorail, but it's uh, slower. <laughs> That's about and, right, uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we discovered some really cool people on the monorail. They were all dressed up in this weird get-out, and... We just had to ask, hey, what's going on? And it, it turns out, because they were all wearing, like, fancy skirts and, like, weird uh, weird shirts and some boots and whatnot. Turns out they were having a fancy uh, hoedown competition. Yeah, I believe it was square dancing. Which, That's the one. You know, Detroit, when I think of Detroit, I think square dancing. Because you got to swing your partner do do Look out for that bottle. Oh, duck! <laughs> so we, we we did end up making friends with a with a variety of professionals. I assume they were professional uh, square dancers. I wonder if you that, get paid because that kind of classifies you out as a professional. If you don't get paid, are you still an amateur? This is a valid question. <laughs> if anybody knows anything about professional versus amateur square dancing, please post it on the Twitter and uh, let us know. <laughs> It's a burning question that needs to be answered. Uh, but so nowadays, our adventures are uh, centered around tourist spots because it's it's easy to do so, and um, lots of a variety of beers. Exactly. We uh, Ryan has taken us on parts of uh, Central Florida. Has an awesome thing called the Central Florida Ale Trail. Which uh, we need to do the whole thing someday because that would be awesome. Um, but the parts that we've been to have been really good. And uh, when Ryan and uh, his Rachel, <laughs> my wife is named Rachel as well, which she was on episode what? Episode five? Episode five. And I believe they talked about some Gilmore girls. But uh, yeah, it's Ryan, John, and the, the Rachels, as they like to, to refer to themselves. That sounds like a good and, band. Uh, that, we should make a band. Ryan, John, great. and the Rachels. <laughs> I think we'd be pretty dang successful. Hopefully we'd be more successful than uh, Bill and Ted were at the end of their first movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can't do worse than that, I don't think. That's fair. Aspiring words to live by. You can't do worse. <laughs> but getting back on track uh when Ryan and Rachel come to visit Charleston, we go on uh, cool adventures to islands or also uh, drink more beer because beer. And then we also meet up in the middle because Hilton Head is amazing. And by middle, I mean two-thirds of the way. It's close enough. But we go to Hilton Head to partake in delicious food. I remember having at least 11 decent meals while I was down there or up there. It's weird, the phrase down there versus up there. Um, but Hilton Head had a whole bunch of restaurants owned by the same group, and they were ridicu- ridiculous and awesome at the same time. 
they also had a contest where if you visited all of their restaurants, you could get entered into a into a drawing for a thousand dollar gift card. So Ryan told us about that when we visited them there, and we we're like, hey, we should do this too because there's two chances at winning the thousand bucks. Unfortunately, I don't think either of us won it. Uh, I know I didn't. <laughs> I should do some research and find out who exactly won, but it wasn't me either. I, w- I wish, but it wasn't. We should make friends with those people. We should. They should buy us all sorts of awesome food from Poseidon's every morning. Yes. That sounds like a great idea. And and speaking of great ideas, I guess we should get this episode started. <laughs> yeah, I guess getting on topic is always a, a challenge. <laughs> or... or Staying off topic could lead to other epic adventures. Um, so I guess we're going to uh, go into a lovely part called Ryan O and the Mailbox of Doom, where we go deep into our mailboxes and attempt to discover answers to all sorts of weird and intriguing questions that may or may not exist. So based on the last episode, we asked people what their favorite or interesting superstitions were. So I received a couple of jokes about sizes and monorails, um, but no jokes about Stevie Wonder. That's my favorite superstition. (laughs) So are you possibly superstitious over anything like the number 13 or, or, uh, you know, like going under ladders or anything? Um, 13 doesn't really bother me too much. Uh, and I do, unfortunately, walk under ladders a lot at the place that I work. So I guess that one hasn't affected me too bad. Uh, I don't know. I guess I wouldn't call myself very superstitious, come to think of it. And neither am I, which is a really cool thing to do. You just got to, um, well, when you believe in things that you don't understand and then you suffer, I guess superstition is the way. It's a good way. Uh, yeah, it's a good way to try and try and figure out what's going on. I, I suppose. <laughs> For the rest of us, there's Google. Yes. And speaking of Google, that brings us into our word of the week, which is ironic because we record every other week. Anyways, um, <laughs> so I'm going to try to tell you, I'm going to tell you what the word is, and you have to guess um, wh- where it's from because you probably already know what it means. Are you ready, sir? All right, let's go for it. The word is saber. Saber. Well, let's see. There's a couple places you could go uh, go with that. Uh, if you were of the fantasy medieval type, uh, well, not even medieval, but if you liked people riding on horseback and carrying a saber, like a cavalry saber. But uh, I do believe the true version we're going for would be uh, the light variety of saber, which you would find in Star Wars. Let's go try to think even further. Think of like older, um, approximately what country would you think it would come from? Saber. Um, let's see. Probably, this is a good question. Uh, Saber would be French, I would say. You are correct. There is a French version um, from the 1670s, which means heavy curved sword. But there's also another version of where it could come from, which is a hun- Hungarian, which comes from oh. Sebla. I think I'm pronouncing that right, which means a tool to cut worth. There we go. My Hungarian's a little rusty, but it sounds good. 
we're going to go with it. Um, so yeah, Sabres, possibly French, possibly German, possibly Hungarian, and possibly purple, depending on which kyber crystal you're using. <laughs> and if your name is Samuel Jackson. Which he is always the man. But speaking of really cool places like France and Hungary, uh, this section is known as Where in the World, where I'm going to describe a location and I'm going to give you a couple of clues and you try to figure out where in the world it is. All right? All right. Okay. So this one is a pink lake that was discovered in 1802. Do you know anything about pink lakes? Oh, Pink Lake. I believe it has something to do with the salt content of it. Um, that is true. Um, the pink color of this particular lake is based on a high salinity, which means lots of salt, um, combined with the presence of a salt-loving algae and pink bacteria known as halobacteria. So that's a cool right. thing. But it's a giant lake. Um, that is huge and pink. Can you guess where in the world you would find a giant, huge pink lake? Well, it's definitely not in the United States or North America, for that matter. Um, I would guess somewhere in Eastern Europe, Northern Africa. I want to say Israel. There are probably pink lakes um, in each of these these locations, but this particular one is called Lake Hillier, and it's in Western Australia. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I was in, Now I know something new. I have never been to Australia. Have you? I have not, but it sounds like it sounds like fun. Even though there are lots of uh, interesting wildlife and fauna and fun things that you have to watch out for, but. I would love to go to Australia. Especially for those drop bears. They'll get you. Um, <laughs> so how many states in the United States have you been to? If you were to just make a, a quick rounded guess, a little ballpark. Uh, let's see. I would say actually close to 40. Right I've on. Been pretty, I've been pretty well around the country. And what is the weirdest state you've been to? The weirdest state? Ooh. This is a good question. Like, you think of weird, you think of United States, what place brings to mind? I would say... Ooh, you got me thinking here. Um, weirdest state would be... I would say, like, as not weird as it sounds like New Hampshire, just because it was a funky little place. Very cool. Um, I haven't been to that one yet, but it is on my list. And speaking of lists and states, um, we have this next section called I Can't Believe That's a Law, where we go into and discover the craziest laws that exist, but probably shouldn't. So I'm going to tell you uh, about a law, and you, th you tell me what state you think it's from. Right on. So this one, um, if a frog in a frog jumping contest dies, once again, if a frog in a frog jumping contest, really weird, dies, you are not allowed to eat them legally. What state would this be? Well, let's see. Somewhere where they like frog legs, I would assume. Um, so I'm going to say Louisiana. It is actually the other side of the country and comes from California. California. All right. 
Yeah. Um, based off of Article 2 from the 1957 chapter in the, let's see, in, yeah. Based on Article 2 in the statue from 1957 in the chapter 456, any person may possess any number of lives frogs to use in frog jumping contests, but if such a frog dies or is uh, killed, it must be destroyed as soon as possible and may not be eaten or otherwise used for any other purpose. You know, those, those, it could be because those jumping frogs, jumping frogs may uh, be using performance-enhancing drugs just to jump farther. You got to watch out for that frog doping. We, we don't want any of them to get hopping mad either. <laughs> but thinking of things a little bit more local... Um, this next section is called Only in Florida, where we talk about stories and things that happen that are so ridiculous and crazy that they could only happen in the swampland yeah. known as Florida. I hope Florida man might have something to do with these. All right. So this week, the article that I found said airplane wing was damaged after alligator attack. Now, that's not anything... That reminds me from the scene in Jurassic Park 3. What was it, the Spinosaurus? Yeah, and uh, they were at the, the airfield that they used. Yeah, so I remember in Jurassic Park 3, they were, they were trying to land their plane, and then all of a sudden their plane was attacked by the giant Spinosaurus. That's right. So, apparently, a man was piloting a PA-31 while attempting a late-night landing at a small airport in Orlando. Hmm. When an 11-foot alligator <laughs> jumped up from the runway and attacked the wing. I'd really like to see an alligator jump, which I don't think I've actually ever seen an alligator jump. I haven't either. So, it, an 11-foot alligator, how much do you think it weighed? I'm going to say yeah, Please, 400 pounds. You're close. It is 500 pounds. Ooh. Now, an alligator uh, attacking a wing, how do you think the alligator fared out? Um, well, if it got its teeth on it, then I think it went for a little bit of a ride. Unless it found the engine, then maybe not so well. So that the alligator itself died on impact because of it hitting the, the wing. That's true. If he was trying to land, that does make sense. But uh, no people were injured, so there, there's that. <laughs> That's good. Um, so that is only in Florida. Did you know with Rhino? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. This episode has been brought to you by Everyday Cosplay Finds. Ever wanted to show off your favorite character or group of characters, but don't see things online that match your style? Then check out Everyday Cosplay Finds, bringing cosplay into your everyday. Go to etsy.com slash shop slash everyday cosplay finds for more information. And now back to our show. Did you know with Rhino? And now it's time for the Did You Know Fact of the Week. So here's a really cool thing I found Science-wise. So in the Southern Hemisphere... Oh, yes. Science! In the Southern (laughs) Hemisphere, the moon 
looks upside down compared to the northern hemisphere. That's really cool. So you can look at the moon the other way while you watch your toilet water spin the other direction in your toilet. Exactly. And it's um, so let's think of it this way. If the moon was at the equator um, and we were at the northern hemisphere, we'd be looking at it um, southern. We'd be looking at the southern sky. And so we'd be looking at it um, at a particular way. But if you if you were at the equator and you're looking straight up, you're seeing all of it as um, it's straight at you. But if you're at the southern hemisphere looking north, you're seeing a slightly different angle. But it's really the same angle, just at a different direction. That's interesting. And John is arriving home, so he has awesome cell phone service. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Just as a fun tidbit there. And he might be on his Wi-Fi. Woohoo! Nice. Uh, So for everyone, we have a really cool diagram that I found on Google. And that's going to be on the Facebook page, which is Did You Know? with Ryan O. So check out the diagram that I found showing the different angles and stuff. And it's pretty cool. All right. So now we're coming down to the subject of our episode. Uh, John, what would you like to talk about today? We're going to talk about star Wars and in particular star Wars episode two attack of the clones. Warning. What you're about to hear is a whole bunch of spoilers for Star Wars Episode 2. Then again, if you haven't seen Star Wars Episode 2, you should. In fact, do that, then listen to the rest of this episode. And now for the rest of the episode. Now, I had texted you uh, recently and been like, Hey, um, what is your least favorite Star Wars movie? And you told me Attack of the Clones. And it was very hard decision because i i really do like all the star wars movies so it's kind of picking the one that has the most issues for me i guess um so i i did end up with episode two which a lot of people probably would agree and and i would disagree i actually think it's the best of the prequels there we go this should make for a very interesting conversation because uh, it's my personal belief that you only need the last 20 minutes of episode one. Besides that, you could skip it. This is a valid point, too. I was really hard going between episode one and episode two of the some creative choices that George Lucas made in episode one that uh, were really silly. <laughs> so let's quickly break down um, episode two. And we'll talk about some of the crazy stuff as we go on. Um, so would you like to start where in the movie, or would you like me to? I'll go for it, Ryan. So the movie starts off with uh, you're, you're investigating um, a, a murder based off of the fact that someone's trying to kill Princess Amidala, who's no yes. longer a princess, she's a senator. Yes. And actually, I think she was technically Queen Amidala. You're right. My bad. Um, so... Senator um, was possibly going to get assassinated, and they sent the the two uh, Jedi Knights who know her the best, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker. And from from that point, um, when Anakin sees uh, Princess, or, well, no, I'm saying Princess, (laughs) Queen Amidala now. We'll just call her Padme. 
Make yeah, it easy. Padme works for me. That's that's totally fine. So when they finally reunite after which has been a ten year span since they've last seen each other, um, Anakin goes into full what I consider creeper head over heels in love mode, which which isn't totally becoming on him and is one of the main sticking points on why this is not my favorite Star Wars movie. And in in his defense, um, he was a slave, so he didn't really know um, that many healthy interactions with people. And the one person who showed him the most kindness besides Qui-Gon Jinn and his mother was Padme. So therefore, all the fond... Um, remembrances of her being beautiful and angelic is one of the most or biggest attachments he had. That being said, it's a bit much. It is. And I mean, I like the idea and it, what Ryan just said totally makes sense. Um, And it's however, the execution of these ideas, whether it was actually Hayden Christensen or if it was George Lucas just giving some grade-A dialogue, which, you know, Star Wars isn't necessarily known for the deep dialogue. It's not um, Shakespeare. It is not Shakespeare. But uh, just, I can't get past his face <laughs> when he's looking at her with the creepy eyes. So he's looking at her like that, and she's like, stop it, you're making me feel uncomfortable. You're still a little boy. And so there's there's that awkwardness. So... They, they hunt down, because um, there is an attempted assassination on her life, um, and they try to hunt down the bounty hunter, and they end up finding um, a weird guy in a blue suit. They do. Yeah, that this is actually one of, the, this is one of my favorite parts of the movie, is the, the bounty hunter chase scene. So we get to see some, some good action, see some Anakin piloting skills. Um, see the city of Coruscant since in a Star Wars movie hey we didn't really see you don't see Coruscant at all in the the original trilogy Um, and we saw a little bit of it in episode one but this is the first time we see the city as a whole and uh, and it's really cool it's extremely awesome and some of the jokes like Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi is firing on all cylinders in this movie but I like to consider him Detective Jesus that's an excellent way to put it. Because if you he take is... this movie, it's like a procedural where they're, or like a detective movie where they're trying to figure out um, who did what, whose attempt on this. And and then he he looks like Jesus based on his, his beard, tone, and hair color. He could be also Sherlock Jesus because he is super cool, calm, and collected, always telling Anakin to, you know, hey, stop for a second and let's think about this. Because let's face it, and or Obi Wan already knows what's going on because he's that just that perceptive. He looks at the situation and he knows what's going down. And then Anakin's like, "Go fast, jump, run, things." And, and so, um, whiny Sandboy, as I'm going to call him from here on out. That's a great name. Um, and <laughs> and Detective Jesus have to try to figure out. Um, who wants to kill um, the, the the princess queen? So in doing so, uh, <laughs> they go to the the council, and the council's like, "Hey, you, um, uh, 
whiny sandboy, go protect the princess queen. And they're like, hey, you, Detective Jesus, go detect some stuff. And so then we find Obi-Wan going with all of his craziness and trying to hunt down all these weird facts. And he does all this sleuthing. He even talks to, to Dex, the weird guy in the diner, and finds himself on the planet Camino. And in his detecting, we do get to see random insertion of a 50s diner in, in Star Wars, which, you know, hey, that's that's cool. There There's apparently streets and people like walking around and, you know, who doesn't like a good diner? And uh, also in his detecting, when he's trying to find the planet Camino, he, he comes across, I think Ryan could also agree, the one of the dumb dumbest characters in this movie is the librarian. The librarian who, uh, is ridiculous. It reminds me of the librarian ghost from the Ghostbusters movie because um, he's all like, or Obi-Wan's like, there should be a planet here. And she's like, well, if the records say there isn't, then there isn't. And she gets all snooty and angry and pissy. And it's like, lady, lighten up. For real, man. It's like, if you were, I would assume if you work in the Jedi Temple, you must be some kind of Jedi, but... And you would be a little bit more mindful and open to thinking that, hmm, maybe something's wrong here. But apparently when you're a cranky old library lady, that's not the case. And, and then because it doesn't exist, um, he decides, hmm, I'm going to go talk to the smartest person I know. So he goes to Yoda and Yoda's like, ah, um, talk to the younglings. And then the younglings are like, maybe someone took it from the records. And that's what we move on from that point and finally get us to Camino. Camino is awesome. It's a planet that's, I assume, totally covered in water. And there's these really cool, tall, white, lanky aliens. And it's like these floating cities. And it's really rainy. And it's just a very cool environment. And then we get to the the craziness of the plot. And I'm going to try to talk really fast in order to explain this really quickly. Uh, so... Obi-Wan Kenobi finds out that Jango Fett, who is the bounty hunter that has been trying to kill Padme, is the individual who is currently on Kamino. And because he's on Kamino, he's also part of the people who have been, well, he's one of the person that is, actually, he's the only person that's been cloned. And he is part of the clone army. So every single individual has now been cloned. Hey, there is a clone army. That's extremely awkward, extremely crazy. I think I made sense. I think it actually got worse. That was perfect. <laughs> and so because of that, um, you find out that the, the clones were created based on Master sifo who we've never heard about, and then it ends up being, oh no, he was hunted or recruited from Tyrannus, which we don't really find out about until later. Anyways, um, so then they have this most epic battle because Obi-Wan finds out the truth, and he finds out everything, and they just fight and have an awesome space chase afterwards to the planet geonosis that is yeah the the space the battle between Django fett and obi-wan on kamino is really cool lots of good action some good hand-to-hand combat uh then after obi-wan throws that tracker on Django's ship and follows him to geonosis then we come to one of the the biggest problems that some people find with star wars is the the seismic bomb seismic charge which in space you know is a vacuum but in star wars space that seismic waves which are sound can destroy everything but if they had um, a which problem i still with think this is one. really cool but if they had a problem with this one making sound they should have a problem with all of the other sounds in a new hope because you hear those in space as well this is true so therefore we can correlate that star wars universe has very particular 
sound traveling space, so maybe it's not actually a real vacuum. But that's beside the point. And the point is, the they end up at Geonosis, and by they, I mean Django Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Django's unaltered, unaltered clone, Boba Fett, who's like seven. Yeah, sounds about right. And he really likes making things go boom. Meanwhile, on the other side of the galaxy, um, Anakin and, oh, sorry, um, whiny sandboy and princess queen lady are hanging out on Naboo and they're getting intimate. And by that, I mean, he's telling her stories about how he hates sand. Oh, the, 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 I think the, the redeeming factor of episode two is how many memes that you can pull out of this movie. Look at all those I give Anakin. Look at them all. <laughs> that has to be my favorite one. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Uh, so we, we push away from that because it's not important. They're falling in love. We get it. We're moving on. Um, but then we go back on Geonosis where, uh, where Detective Jesus just found out that there's also a droid army. And then there's this guy, Count Dooku, who was actually the master of Qui-Gon Jinn, and Yoda was his master. And this guy, Count Dooku, uh, is also, you know, Dracula, he's, he's Saruman, he's, he's the amazing actor, Christopher Lee, but you could probably do a whole episode on him, too, because he's amazing. <laughs> we should. I'm going to write that down. So, so we find out that he's been working for the Dark Lord of the Sith, um, he's, he's also a Jedi, and they capture Detective Jesus. And so now he's stuck, um, but... Just before that, he sent out a distress call to uh, Whiny Sandboy and sent that to the council. And so the council knows about the clones. The council knows about Dooku. And Whiny Sandboy is like, let's wait for the council. But Princess Queen Lady is like, no, let's go rescue Obi-Wan. And they, so they do. And before all that happened, Whiny Sandboy found his mother... I'd have met a few important characters that might, you know, carry a lot of the plot of, uh, of episode four. Um, like his minor uh, stepfather details. and, uh, you know, the people who, <laughs> you are know, there. just, just some people that, that, that might, uh, might end up burned skeletons in episode four, but his they'll get to that siblings. later. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So whiny Sandboy definitely, uh, he's like, I'm done arguing with you. I've had, or I think he, the line is, <laughs> I've given up on trying to argue with you. Which this episode does have a lot of good one-liners. Which uh, there's a couple good ones coming up here on Geonosis. But we also get the, the the angry part about about him just slaughtering dozens and dozens of sand people, which is ridiculous and crazy and awesome. Like I I I didn't, you know, not just the men, but the women. And the children too, like yeah, he, dude was he's sick. Showing off, he's showing off some great acting skills in that whole thing, um, and his messed up in the headness. I I loved like the action sequence in, in the darkness. I'm in the 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 lines, not so much. But the cool thing Which is isn't his fault. <laughs> that's true. We do get to find them um on geonosis because they finally make it there in order to rescue detective jesus while bringing um little beep boop and the shiny robot aka r2d2 and c3po and they go on their adventure there's some cool 
They find the droid foundry, they run around the droid foundry, Anakin loses his lightsaber once again, because That's apparently he has a real issue with that. Um, and Padme is almost covered in molten, or sorry, Princess Queen Lady, is almost covered in molten metal, and there's there's action, there's suspense, R2-D2 saves the day, of course, uh, C-3PO becomes a battle droid, and... Eventually, Anakin and Padme are captured by the Geonosians. And so they get um, forced to go into the arena, which is not one of my most favorite songs on Star Wars, but I digress. Yeah. Uh, so the arena is three giant monsters are going to go kill them, and everyone's all excited because, yay, death. Um, but just as it's about to happen, and they've uh, escaped, and everything's going uh, pretty smoothly... The, the battle droids are out, and they're like, okay, we're just going to finish you anyways, even though you're free, we're going to go ahead and kill you. But at that exact moment, the savior of the day, Samuel L. Jackson, comes in with his purple lightsaber because Mace Windu is awesome and amazing, and he shows up, and all of the other Jedi from the council and whatnot show up, and then moments later, the clones come to save everybody. Yes. Yoda really calls it that this party is over. Even though Samuel L. Jackson says that Yoda brings the Yoda brings in the cavalry, the oh, real right. cavalry. <laughs> and uh in in the uh, in the Coliseum scene, I think my favorite one liner from the movie is uh when Anakin and Padme are brought into the arena and Obi Wan's still already there hanging out and Oh, this is one of mine too. He, Yes, and uh, they're they're all tied up Obi-Wan. to a whole bunch of uh, um, pillars, and they can't go anywhere. Yeah, and Obi Wan asked Anakin uh, what he was doing there, and he's like, "Well, we're here to rescue you." And Obi Wan's like, looks up at his chains, and he's like, "Good job." <laughs> it's amazing. It's like that's a that is that is my favorite line in the whole movie. I I agree with you one hundred percent. And so after the clones uh, jump in and break up the party, there's a giant battle between clones and droids on the planet as uh, the as Dooku is escaping, and then Yoda and some of the other Jedi are going after to help um, capture him. And the clones show up. They have tanks. They have giant lasers on legs. They have the flying gunships, which totally own all the droids and so the clones are kicking butt they're doing their job they're doing great uh the the jedi that survived the arena they're leading some more clones and they're kicking butt and anakin and obi-wan are flying after dooku and eventually come to the hangar where dooku's attempting to escape and they start to stop him so there's a battle between the three of them and Obi-Wan gets knocked out. So then it's a uh, another battle with with Princess or Whiny Sandboy and Count Dooku, and they're fighting each other, and that's how Whiny Sandboy loses his arm. He was trying to be really cool with the two lightsabers, but it was all for show. And he gets he gets owned by by Dracula. I mean Saruman. I mean Dooku. So so then so then Yoda, who's not a puppet goes and and fights dracula and then by doing so uh shows off some of the best cg we've seen that year that's true he was of all the cg in that movie he was probably the highlight the lead-in into it definitely got george lucas a little bit he could have given dooku some better lines 
it could have been a little bit more organic, but the end result was pretty cool. And and so um, be, before all this, we we find out that the Darth Lord of the Sith, aka the um, the Supreme Chancellor of the Senate, are the same person, and he now has a lot of power. And he takes that clone army and makes it the army of the Republic. And now this giant massive clone army is at his disposal to fight against the evils of the droid army, which is also under his command. And we can all thank that, give all that thanks to one temporary Senator Jar Jar Binks. Thank you, Representative Binks. Representative Binks. Uh, So that is Star Wars Episode 2 in a nutshell for those who haven't listened. So we've got a, a couple of questions here that I was asking you. So who is your favorite non-major character in this movie? Uh, I would go with, uh, his name is Kit Fisto. Kit Fisto, he, now that's the, the green Jedi? That is the green Jedi with the, the head tentacles that are basically dreadlocks. And he's just really cool. This may be some bias from if you watch the Clone Wars uh, animated TV show. He has some cool parts in that as well. And he just generally is a, just a really cool guy. My favorite only makes it in about three scenes, but it's Plo Koon. Also a good choice. He, he would probably be runner-up. He just looks awesome with his face. He looks like he's wearing a helmet, but he isn't. Anyways, so speaking of uh, other costume choices, uh, who, who do you think wore the worst costume in the movie? The worst costume. I mean, poor Watto. He kind of had to downgrade. He's a little down on his luck. He's looking a little haggard. Um, so he's wearing some, wearing some, some trash there. Um, other characters that maybe kind of missed the mark. I mean, I don't know. That I mean, Jedi or look like Jedi. Uh, Count Dooku looks pretty awesome. Um. I don't know. I, I, honestly, I would have to say Watto is the worst dressed of that movie. I think it's uh, it's uh, Padme in her refugee outfit because she's clearly not pulling it off because she looks regal even though she's not. Even though she oh, is. yeah, the giant the giant sun plate on her head. Yeah, that this is this is a good point. But the the best costume I have to say is Jango Fett's armor. Jango Fett's armor is. I mean, it's classic. It's it's the Boba Fett armor except. You know the OG version with the purple and the blue and the silver. It's really cool. I would also put up there for nomination, even though Padme had worst outfit. Her Tatooine desert wizard, like crazy oh, silver that cloak. That was a good one, and the throwback to the Princess Leia hair with the other part of that desert outfit. That if you're going for throwback to Star Wars, that's right up there. And so we already talked about our, our best line, which is the, I'm here to rescue you, good job. I think another uh, honorable mention was Yoda's like, uh, Master Obi-Wan, lost a planet has he? How embarrassing. <laughs> yes, when Yoda's totally trolling Obi-Wan in front of the kids, that's, he's, you could tell Yoda's just having a field day because... He's got Obi-Wan clueless. So, so then what what would what would you think is the worst line? I, I think I have what I think it is, but what do you <sighs> think is the worst line? Oh. Ooh. 
I mean, anything Anakin says relating to romance could be qualified as the worst line for me. It's it's too hard to pick. <laughs> I think his entire uh, monologue about right. sand is is probably my least favorite of his. I would I like. I would say it's the least favorite, but it's just so iconically bad that I don't think it could be the worst line because it, it it's just too ridiculous. <laughs> if anyone else has an opinion on what the worst line in episode two is, please let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Um, lamest moment in the movie, I'm going to go with the, uh, the angry librarian. Angry librarian. That's, yeah, she's really lame. Um, other lame moment... I had one. Um, Anakin showboating with, let's take this pair through the air and <laughs> totally just be a magician and I'm going to cut your pair. In. You're <laughs> right. That was not necessary. That was 400% unnecessary. So we're going to come up with the, what do you think is the most badass moment of the movie? Most badass moment? Would be I, I I gotta go with the Yoda Yoda with a lightsaber, and I think it's the moment that all the Jedi and the clones show up in the arena. That those those are my top two. I was trying to go between the two. I, I would call it a tie, honestly. And being the musical expert, uh, what is your favorite song of this movie? <sighs> my favorite song, even though it was from the first movie. Duel of the Fates appearing when Anakin's riding through the desert on his twisted mission to save his mother. That just, it captures the moment perfectly. A lot of people would say the romance theme. Which is uh, my between, favorite, the love song. Which is also very good. My favorite, like, planetary theme, I think, is actually the Camino theme. It Ooh. just fits, it fits with the ocean, and it's very, like, lots of turmoil, and it just fits that really well. Right on. So we're going to have to do this again in the future for another episode. Uh, and then eventually, who knows, we might even talk about Smallville after we've went all the way through all of these fun, crazy episodes of Star Wars. Because John and I used to bond over pizza, live wires, and Smallville back in the day. It was good trips. It was indeed good trips. Uh, so for everyone out there... We're going to ask you on Facebook, on Twitter, which at Twitter we are at uh, Did You Know Ryan O, what is your least favorite Star Wars movie? Let us know. We'll talk about it in the next episode. Um, so I think that's pretty much going to do it with us here. Do you have anything you want to uh, tell the kids about before we sign off, John? Uh, if you're watching Star Wars, make sure you watch it in the right order. Ooh, we'll have to have another conversation on what you believe the right order to be is. And that'll table for a, another episode. Um, as always, you can go and email us at didyouknowryano at gmail.com, Twitter at didyouknowryano, Facebook, uh, didyouknowwithryano. And um, don't forget to like us, rate us, and subscribe us on all of your podcasting networks. Also remember, kids... Find your awesome, hold on to it, and share it with the world. I've been Ryan O. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.